Make us your offering, Lord. Prepare us. Equip us. Ready us, Lord, for all that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we give you the glory today. We thank you, God, that you are the one who gave your life upon the cross. You are the perfect sacrifice. You are the spotless, sacrificial lamb. You are the one who gave your life as an offering for our sins so that we could be forgiven, that we could be filled, that we could be made new, that, God, we could be filled and know the power of God living inside of us, that we are new creations in Christ, that, God, you are our Saviour, our King, and you love us, God. And we just want to say thank you to you this morning, Lord, because, God, you are so good. Lord, you are so good to us. Lord, we just open ourselves to you this morning, Lord. We ask, have your way in us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let's continue to pray that prayer this morning. Make me your vessel, Lord. Fill me, Lord, as your servant. Have your way in me. Maybe this morning you've come here and you're thinking, I don't even know about this Jesus thing yet. I've just sort of come to check it out. Well, I want to encourage you this morning to say, God, Help me to understand what's true. God, if you're even real, help me to understand who you are and what you've done. Amen? Amen. Fantastic. It's so good to be here with you this morning. It's, uh, I've been excitedly looking forward to preaching again. I feel like it's been forever. And uh, I'm excited to be able to share God's Word with you this morning. So, uh, welcome this morning. If you've been here for the last month and you're thinking, who is this guy at the front? It's like, my name's Andrew. I'm the, actually the pastor here. I've been on paternity leave, I guess you would say, uh, but it's great to be here with you this morning. Let's just pray now. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, that you know every one of us, Lord. You know the challenges we face, you know the joys of our life. God, you know the week that we've had and you understand everything we need. And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word, Lord God. That it is not just a book, it is not just ideas, it is your word written for us, that we could know what you are like, that we could know your ways, God. Lord Jesus, I just pray this morning that you would, Lord, just shape us, mould us. Lord, change our mindsets of any things that we've got uh, fixated in our mind that is not right thinking, Lord. We just pray that you would change us, that you would shape us for your glory, God. Lord God, I just thank you for every person here. Lord God, that we have, we have come to this place, that we've come to this time. And Lord, we say this morning, Lord, please have your way in us. We desire that you would be glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles there, I want you to open up to the book of Mark, and we're going to read together. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church so you can uh, check out what I'm saying, make sure I'm reading the right passage, and underline things, circle things, draw pictures in your margins so you can find things when you're looking for them. And uh, the Bible is alive. Read it, have it open, download it on your phone, take it with you wherever you go. It's good. It's the best. Mark chapter 5. And verse 21, we're going to read from this morning. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. It says this. Jesus got into the boat again. In other words, he'd been in the boat already. He'd been over at Gennesaret. I can never say that word properly, but he'd been over there. And uh, some cool things had happened. But Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And I want you to encourage you just to picture what's happening here. Imagine you, you, go, you go down to the gardens and you see this guy down at the lake, there's a boat there, there's a crowd of people swarming around him. 
just want to try and picture what's happening here. Verse 22, it says, Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Can you picture it? They've left, the, they've left the lake, they've come up beside the Botanic Cafe, a couple that are really keen for a coffee have just snuck in, and then they, the crowd just keeps following Jesus down the street. Is it Fireman Street? What is that street there? Like the crowd are following Jesus. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? This is one of those moments where the disciples are kind of think, Jesus, that's a little crazy. Just saying, Jesus, there's a whole crowd here. Who touched me? They say, How can you ask that? Verse 32. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realisation of what had happened, to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. The title of my message this morning, if you are taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes about what God is saying to you, even if it's not what I'm saying, if it's just what God's saying to you, I encourage you to take notes on what God is saying. Let's not treat his words as meaningless, but to remember them and apply them to our lives. The title of my message this morning, it's a long one, but God cares, sorry, in the waiting and in the moment, God is good. In the waiting and in the moment, God is good. If that's too long a title for you, you could shorten it to the in the waiting and the moment, God is good, but it only leaves out in. So probably might as well leave it in. 
But uh, in the waiting and in the moment, God is good. Now, I wonder if you've ever had one of those days and you've, you've, you've woken up and you've kind of, you have one of those mornings, you just wake up feeling just slightly energized. You're thinking, today, I'm going to start that thing I've been going to do for the last five years. Today is the day I'm going to get fit. Anyone ever woken up and had that thought? Today is the day. And you get dressed and you get all excited. You, you put your morning motivation music on and you, you get all ready and you go, right, today I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start running. And you get all dressed and you go to the front door, you open the door and you look outside and you go, how did I not realise it's pouring with rain? Or maybe you woke up, you, you, you go outside, you open the door and you get hit by this wall of ice. Maybe a little bit like that picture there. It's just covered in frost. It is so cold and you're thinking, maybe tomorrow. I'll start that thing. Well, just try and imagine what this day was like for this woman. I don't think it was any special day for this woman. This woman who'd had this issue of bleeding, she gets up, it's it's a day like any other day. She gets up and we don't know exactly what she'd been doing that day, whether she heard Jesus was coming. Um, Doesn't seem like they really knew that she was going to be coming, but he he just comes and then people hear and, and they go. But this lady gets up, she's probably doing her thing through the day and then she maybe hears that Jesus is down there, she, she maybe sees the crowd in the distance and she goes down to be where Jesus is. And it says that she's, she's heard about Jesus but we don't really know what she thinks about Jesus. We don't know if she's gone thinking, today's the day I'm going to get healed or if she's gone down thinking, well, I don't really know who he is but I, I want to hear about what this Jesus guy is saying because... I've heard about him and it sounds kind of special. But she goes down and she's there in the crowd and just picture, she's there in the crowd and she's there and she has this issue, this, this secret thing that she's dealing with, that she's suffered with for 12 years. And in the time, in the culture, to, to be bleeding like that was to be unclean, to be to, thought of to be unclean. And, but this woman's bleeding never stopped. It was an issue that she had struggled with and and possibly even been humiliated by for 12 years. And she's in the crowd and she's hearing about Jesus and faith is rising within her. She's thinking, maybe, just maybe, Jesus can heal me. But she's there in the crowd and Jesus is speaking and I imagine she's just there thinking, how how can I talk to him? There's so many people. How, How can I have my moment? And she's there and she's so desperate. And then Jairus comes in. He's the synagogue leader. He comes in and he just comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, my little girl's dying. Please, will you come? And Jesus goes, yep, all right. So the crowds all take off with Jesus and he goes to heal this little girl. And I just wonder if maybe there was a little bit of a sense for that woman that I've had this issue for 12 years. I'm sitting here, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I just want God to heal me. But then Jairus turns up, he just asks Jesus and he just gets what he wants. Ever felt like that? That you're the one just waiting and waiting and waiting. You're there in the crowd and it's like no one sees you, no one knows what's going on for you. And then someone else rocks up, they just be here for one day, they just say, oh please, and they're yeah, wow, cool, awesome. And you're like, great for you. But this woman is still bleeding, she's still suffering. And I want to say that She had been to so many people, so many doctors to try and get help and no one had been able to help her. It said she'd suffered even more. 
no matter how much you have suffered, no matter how much others maybe have even hurt you, or how many things you have faced in this life, Jesus is still kind. He still cares. He loves you. And my first point this morning is that God cares about the things and the people that no one else sees. Maybe you feel like that woman in the crowd and you just feel like no one sees your pain. No one sees the things that you're struggling with. And it just aches in your heart. You, you believe God is good. You believe God is able. But there's an ache within you. God sees you. God knows you. He sees that secret thing. He understands that secret pain that you have. He cares he, and he loves you. Now Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. You're not accountable to me. You're accountable to God. Well, we are accountable to one another as the body of Christ. As his church, we want to be accountable to one another. But ultimately, we are accountable to God. And God wants us to come to him with the issues that we face. He, know, he, he does care for us. He knows what we face and he longs for us to come to him. He sees and he knows. He understands our struggles. God cares about the... Th- the secret hidden things that we struggle with. God cared about Jairus. Jesus cared about Jairus and his daughter that was dying. And he, he leaves the place by the lake and he begins to go to Jairus's home. But then something stops him on the way. He's going and then he stops. And amongst all the crowd, Jesus said, somebody touched me. Who touched me? He senses that someone has had faith and touched him and received some healing power from God. He, he, he senses it and knows that something has happened. And I want to say this morning that faith pleases God. Point number two, faith pleases God. Faith gets God's attention. Faith is what stopped Jesus. He felt healing power go out from him. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith we cannot please God. Ephesians 2.8 says, Faith is a gift from God. You know, we are all called to have faith. Jesus died on the cross for the sin of every person who ever lived. He did it to to be a gift for every person that we might know the hope that he has for us. He calls us to come to him with faith, to put our trust in what he has done, to not try and earn God's forgiveness, but to come to him and have faith. He calls us all to come and have faith. And it's a continual calling to come and have faith, moment by moment by moment. And I want to be totally honest and open with you this morning. And and I was just thinking about my last couple of weeks, and it's been awesome. I I have loved being a full-time dad at home and uh, having a sixth baby in the house. it's been exciting. It's been amazing. Someone said to me this morning, is it, is it sort of calmed down yet? I, I wouldn't use those words. Um, but it's amazing. And there was a moment during the last two weeks when we were at home and, and Rochelle and I were chatting. We were just sort of saying, oh, maybe we'll just become full-time stay-at-home mum and dad. And we can just like, start a huge veggie garden and uh, raise some sheep. And we'll just become like subsistence, subsistence livers and, and like, just 
earn a few dollars here and there and like, this is the life. This is just so awesome. This is great. There was a moment like that. <laughs> but before I get to that, I also want to say too that in, even in the joy of having this new life, there has been moments during the last two weeks, during probably this morning if I'm honest, uh, during the last few months even, where I've said, God, how are we going to do life with six kids? And some of you are going, I know what you mean. In fact, a lot of you are saying, what are you thinking? Well, as Craig said last week, we love kids, but I also love my wife and God wanted us to have six kids. And, uh, but there are times when I think, God, this is really hard. How are we going to do this? Situations are difficult, and sometimes in the moment, it can seem difficult to have faith. Sometimes in the moments we go through, we struggle with what's happening right now. We, we, we're Christians, we love God, we believe in Jesus, but it's really difficult in the moment to have faith and not get all overwhelmed and down and, oh God, how am I going to... It can be difficult in those moments. So anyway, we were thinking about doing this whole subsistence living thing, but, you know, in my heart, there is no way I could ever do that. In my heart, there is a calling from God, there is a stirring within me. I know that I have been given a privilege to know Jesus as my Saviour. I know I've been called as a person who knows Jesus to live my life telling people about the hope that I have in Him. And I could not, I will not, I cannot... Stop doing what God has called me to do because it is a gift from Him. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given a gift and we cannot just say, oh, this life is comfortable, I'll just enjoy this by myself. My life is for those who don't yet know Him. In the moment though, it can be difficult. It's difficult sometimes even going back to work now to come home and there's a weight sometimes to the calling God has for us. There's a weight to the calling God has for you. There's a, there's a heaviness sometimes in the roles that we all have within the body of Christ and in our calling in life. And when we come home at the end of the day, it's easy to, to not live in the moment by faith and be distracted by the things that weigh us down. Anyone relate to that? I'm just being honest here. That there are moments when it's difficult to have faith. To have faith just to rest in God, to say, God, I give it to you and I'm just going to rest in you. To say, God, I, I have faith and I'm just going to run hard in this moment because I trust that you're calling me to run. To have faith to just serve because God has called us to serve, even though we may feel weak or unable. To have faith just to give because God is our provider. We know that he will provide what we need. We're just going to give as he calls us to give. You know, Jesus is our great example in everything. He gave his life for you and I. He willingly gave himself upon the cross so that we could be set free and have eternal life. Sometimes in the moment, it is difficult, but God has called us to have faith. You know, for 12 years, this woman has suffered with this issue of bleeding. She, she, she hears about Jesus, she comes, and finally she is set free. She, she's healed by God. But then there's this other moment where she's healed, she's going, yes, amazing, wonderful. And she's kind of just, I imagine, just disappearing off through the crowd going, yeah, inwardly. But then the whole crowd stops and Jesus starts saying, who touched me? 
And she has this new moment of crisis saying, oh no, what do I do? She has this faith crisis of saying, do I tell people what happened? Or do I just hide or pretend nothing happened? And even after having this amazing healing, she has this little crisis of faith saying, I don't know, I don't want to tell people. I don't want anyone to know. Do I just pretend? And she says, yes, it was me. I wonder if anyone saw on TV, I think it was last week, this guy by the name of Vic, Nick Vujicic. Nick, Nick Vujicic. Vujicic. I always get his name wrong, sorry. He <laughs> was on, I think it was 60 Minutes or something last week. This is a, a guy who loves Jesus and just uses who he is to tell people about God's love for them. And I don't know if you know, we actually had him here in 2006. He, he stood on the platform here and declared the love of Jesus for this world that even though we sin, Jesus came to take the sack take the, the punishment for our sin. And this guy is, is traveling the world, just using the, who he is to share about God's love for people. And you know, I, I love his honesty in his interviews and when he preaches, when he speaks, how even though he has faith in God and he know God, knows God loves him with every part of his being, he doesn't say, now I have faith, life is always awesome. There are still moments of struggle in his life. He has no arms and legs, in case you are still trying to work it out. You're like, what? He, he's, he's really honest about his struggle. And, and, and he, he, he would like to have arms and legs, I do believe. But he actually says, no, you know what? God can use me as I am. There are moments where he struggles to have faith. And there's been moments in his life in waiting that have been so hard, saying, God, why have you made me like this? God, how can this be? And it's been difficult, and yet he has had faith. I want to say this morning that point number three, God can turn your private shame into public praise if we let him. And it's not that God wants to bring shame on you. He can use the things that you have inwardly, privately struggled with to become a public testimony of God's grace. We can become signposts that point to a God in heaven who loves us, who cares about us, who understands us and gives us hope no matter what we face. You know, we can be signposts to God's grace through our struggle. <coughs> Excuse me. Or we can become signposts to God's glory and His grace in our healing and in our, in our miraculous recoveries. I, I feel so privileged that God healed my back. I broke my back in a mountain bike accident six years ago now. And God healed me miraculously overnight from excruciating pain to be able to live and move and lift my kids and throw them in the air and jump on the trampoline again. God is a healing, miracle-working God. But will we give God those things that we face to use them so that others might know the hope we have in Him? Will we allow God to use those things that we've struggled with and say, you know what, as Nick says, I have no arms and legs. It's kind of visible, it's kind of noticeable. But it can often be difficult to say about the things that we struggle with inwardly and say, you know what, I've, I've struggled with this. We had six kids and oh, I was going crazy. I didn't even know how we were going to feed ourselves, how I was going to have any space to think or go for a bike ride anymore. But God has given me strength. God is gracious and he's good and I'm so excited. That's why we call our son God's gift. God can turn your private shame into public praise, a testimony of his grace 
if we will give it to him and let him use it. Not to bring us shame, but to use us as signposts for his glory, to point to him. I think it's really interesting that the very first command that God gives to us, to anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, anyone who becomes a Christian, a follower of Jesus, the Bible says, repent, believe, and be baptized. The very first step of any believing Christian is to make a public declaration of what God has done for them, to admit our shame, to say, I am a sinner who needs a saviour. I have not obeyed God, I have done the wrong thing, I have gone against God's will and I deserve punishment. But Jesus took my punishment upon the cross and he is my saviour and my king and I now live for him. That's what baptism is all about. It's about saying God deserves the glory and not me. He's working in my life, but he's the one that's done the work. It's not me. It's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. It's the very first step for any person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And if you are a Christian and you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to obey that step of baptism, to, to, to... Make that choice to say, I will be baptised. I will publicly confess my faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe God will bless you in that decision. I was 18 years old and I had been dedicated as a baby. I kind of thought of that as my baptism. And I was here at youth on a Friday night and we were doing a Bible study on baptism. And I suddenly realised as I read the scriptures, the Bible says, repent, believe and be baptised. And I had this sudden revelation, I haven't been baptised. So I got on the phone that night, it was about 10 o'clock at night, and I said, Pastor Dave... I've got to get baptised. I'm not doing what God says to do. It's important. Read it, see it, let God stir you and do it in faith. If that's you, write on your care card now. You can pretend you're writing notes about the sermon. We won't look. But uh, God commands it. <clears throat> this woman is healed after her 12 years of suffering. Finally, she's been set free. She admits to Jesus what she has done, that she touched him and Jesus says... Go in peace. You, your faith has made you well. And she's rejoicing and so happy. But then in the very next sentence, we hear that the, the messenger comes from Jairus' house and says to Jairus, Jairus, I'm sorry, but it's too late. Your daughter is dead. Jesus, it's, 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 you've taken too long. She's gone. It's too late. And what does Jesus say to Jairus in that moment? He overhears them saying to Jairus what's happened and he says these words. He says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. You know, we know what happens next. We know that Jesus continues on his way. He gets there and they're all weeping and wailing. And he says, no, she's just asleep and she raises him from the dead. And we go, Jairus, it's all right. Just don't be afraid. Just have faith. It's all right, mate. We, Jesus is going to heal her. But Jairus doesn't know that. Imagine you're Jairus in that moment and Jesus turns to you and says, don't be afraid, just have faith. You're going to be in a wrestle. There's a challenge in that moment. You don't know what's going to happen next and it's a challenge in that moment. And this morning my point is this. You may be in that place like Jairus. You may be here this morning and hearing me say, don't be afraid, just have faith. And you're thinking, but it's too late. The situation I am in, it's, the, the, the day has gone past. The situation is, it's, 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 it's just no way forward. 
It's too late. But God's word to you this morning would be, don't be afraid, just have faith. You don't know what God can do. You don't know what God can do. Maybe you're like that woman that you've been struggling with some issue for years and years and years and it's just privately just been eating away at you. Maybe you've just struggled and struggled and struggled. But this morning, Jesus would want to say to you, don't be afraid, just have faith. Maybe today is going to be that day for you. God can do the miraculous. God can do the things that we never understood or expected. My point this morning is this, that in the waiting and, and in the moment, God is good. God can be trusted with no matter what situation you face, no matter what trials you have had or struggles you have in this moment, God is good and He can be trusted Put your faith in Him today. Put your faith in Him today. The greatest decision I ever made in my life was to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I've got to do some awesome, cool, fun things. But the greatest moment of my life was when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. That I confessed I'm a sinner and God, I need your forgiveness. And this morning, if you've never made that decision, I want to encourage you to say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I put my faith in you. I thank you for what you have done for me. And I trust you no matter what happens ahead. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. And I want to encourage you to make that decision today. I want to encourage every one of us this morning to come to him. You may be feeling like a person in the crowd that's seeing what's happening, that you're hearing about what God's doing for other people, but just press in to Jesus this morning. In your prayers, even right now, I encourage you to say, God, touch my life. That struggle in my thinking, change my thinking, Lord. That struggle in my body, touch me, Lord. That person I know that's struggling, Lord, work in their life, I pray, Lord. Press in to Jesus. Come to him this morning. Prayer is powerful. The, effect, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. Is <laughs> powerful. Thanks, Kerry. <laughs> I didn't plan to say that one. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. He cares for you. He knows your struggles. He knows your pain and he loves you. He cares about you. He will not turn away anyone who comes to him with a repentant heart. We can't come proudly. We can't come saying, God, please help me with this, but uh, I'm just hanging on to this. It's all or nothing. It's, it's God, I surrender, I give myself to you, and please have your way in me. He will not turn away anyone who comes to him with that attitude. But first, we must humble ourselves. He will not turn any away. He's calling every one of us to trust him. In your moment, in your waiting, to trust him, to put your faith in him. I want to say one last thing before I finish this morning, though. I feel like it would be wrong to just stop there and, and, and finish there because as good as God is, as amazing as He is, as, as wonderful as the things He does are, as powerful as He is, as miraculous as the things He does are, these things all happen in His time. I would love to say they're going to happen the moment you declare it, but that's Walt Disney theology. These things will come to pass in God's time. He asks us to ask Him. 
He wants us to ask him, but they come to pass in his time. I talked about breaking my back before and I, I had prayed for some days and hours and moments of pain that God would heal me. And you may have struggled with pain and, and, and some issue for months and even years maybe. And you may feel like, God, why haven't you answered this prayer yet? But trust that God is good and he will answer your prayer in his time. Hebrews chapter 11 is, is the, the, the chapter all about faith. It's called the Hebrews Hall of Faith, about these amazing things that God does. It talks about Moses and Rahab and all these people who trusted God and God did these amazing things. But we're so easy just like to read the first part of the book of uh, chapter 11 of, of Hebrews 11. But the last part of Hebrews 11, I just want to read it to you from Hebrews 11.35. It says, after all these amazing people and the amazing things God did in them and through them, it says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. In other words, they loved God, they trusted God, they knew God was so faithful they would not deny who he is. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. You know, our, our greatest reward is still waiting in heaven. We, we will enter that place, but the full realities of heaven will never be on this earth. It's still coming. It's, it's done, but it's not yet. Verse 36, some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. It's not pretty. It's not enjoyable to read this. Others were chained in prison. Some, by, some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some were, went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated, and still they had faith. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Maybe you felt like one of those people wandering, lost, hiding and just suffering, even though you have faith. Verse 39, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You know, it can steal you and rob you of your joy, of your faith so quick. But let's come to him, let's run to him in those moments and say, God, help me, lead me forward. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he enjoyed, enjoyed, that's the wrong word, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, on the one who gave his life for us. You know, it can be difficult in the moments to have faith, in the waiting and in those moments of challenge. We need to remember that God is still good. He still loves us. Jesus is still the saviour of the world. Jesus is still the reason I live. He's the one I want to proclaim. He's the one I want to live for. Let's come to him day by day. Let's come to him 
even right now in this moment, I want to encourage you just to cry out to God for whatever needs you have this morning, just as you're seated there right now. I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to finish with a song in just a moment. But you know, when God touched my body as a, a, a broken man in absolute agony with a broken back, it wasn't when someone come and, came and lay hands on me that I was healed. It was as I cried out to God and He, he just spoke to me and I believe that you this morning... God may want to touch some people just where you're seated this morning. You may have struggled with some private inward shame or struggle. I believe God wants to touch some people this morning. I just want to pray for you right now. God, we we thank you for your goodness. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your, your love, for your grace for us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for all that you have done on the cross But Lord, Jesus, our our sin has been dealt with. It is washed away by your grace. For anyone who puts their faith in you, we are forgiven. We are set free from the power of sin. We praise you and we thank you for that, Lord. But Lord God, we know that in this life there are challenges. Lord, in this life there are struggles. And Lord God, I just pray that even like that woman who had suffered for 12 years from bleeding this morning, that might be a day of breakthrough for some people here today. Lord, for some people who have a moment of, of just struggling with issues in their life, that, Lord God, that you would just bring a breakthrough in their life. That like Jairus, who, who, who didn't know what was going to happen next, you just said, don't be afraid, just have faith. And, that, Lord God, that you would stir faith in our hearts today, that we would leave this place, even though we don't know what's going to happen next, that we would leave this place with peace and with joy and with hope, Lord God, we just thank you for the confidence that we can have in you. Lord God, we just thank you for the joy we can have in you despite all the things that happen in this life. You are our victory. You are our strength. You are our source. You are our provider. You are our saviour. You are our God in heaven. And we praise you and we worship you this morning. We want to say thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done. And we look forward to see what you will do in the future. We surrender to you, Lord, no matter what you do. No matter how you choose to work, Lord God, we say, here I am. Have your way in me. I want to ask you to stand this morning. And we're going to sing this song of declaration. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. In the valley, in the struggle, in the trial, in the waiting, and in those moments, yes, I will still give you the praise, God. Yes, I still will, God, be a signpost for your glory. Yes, I will, God, give you my life. Let's sing this as a prayer. Let's sing this as a confession. Let's sing this as we surrender our lives again to Jesus Christ this morning.